Hey everyone, and welcome to another Yogi Misfit Sessions. My name is Danny Pomploon, and I am your host. Are y'all starting to see all the Thanksgiving and or Christmas decorations that are already going up, which is kind of insane because it's literally only the beginning of... I feel like Halloween wasn't even over yet, and then all of a sudden, all the decorations for the other holidays came up, but... Anyway, it is officially session number 96. And today I've got Giovanna Heyman on the show. He has written a really, really, really awesome book called Accessible Yoga. Um, And it's exactly that. It's making yoga truly accessible and not just like to people, but also in the language that we use um, in yoga so that it makes people feel included or they don't feel like they're dumbing down their practice or, you know, making their practice not as, um, let's say, equivalent to everyone else's. So he's a really, 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 really awesome person to have on the show. It was really great to get to chat with him as most of the guests are on the show. I'm pretty lucky to get to do this. So yeah, super stoked to have him on the show today. Um, reminding all of you listeners out there, I just can't thank you guys enough for the continued support. We're getting some more donations to the donor box. Um, love, and we could always use some more of that. So we're just trying to get the show as sustainable as we can um, because it doesn't run off of, uh, off of good vibes, unfortunately. Uh, but you can click on the link below for DonorBox. You can do a little monthly subscription or you can do a donation. Um, and again, it just helps get the show out there to you guys. You can always leave a review on iTunes as well because that always helps. Um, without further ado, let's dive into the show. All right, Giovanna. So am I saying the name right? It's Giovanna. Uh, Giovanna. Jivana, I tried. <laughs> Where is it from? Actually, it's a Sanskrit name that my teacher gave me. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, I was trying so hard a couple of times. I was like, before I was like, I got to rehearse this. I got to rehearse this. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. It's good. It's nice to meet you finally. Same. And I, I know we were like, we were going like back and forth and back and forth, but uh, we finally got to like nail it down. And I'm glad that I got you um, um, as a reference to the show, because after I looked into it, I was like, I definitely want you on here. Oh, thanks. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. So let's, uh, let's get into it. Accessible yoga. Tell me everything. Uh, well, <laughs> okay. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, gosh, I mean, I started teaching, um, about 25 years ago and that my, I was actually an AIDS activist in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. That's why I've been interested in your work. Cause I know you're, you're in San Francisco, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I was trying, I was just using yoga myself and, you know, I was like on the streets demonstrating and working in AIDS hospices and stuff like that. And just really overwhelmed by what was happening in our community. And and so when I decided to become a teacher, I thought like immediately I wanted to share yoga with my community. So I was teaching yoga for people with HIV and AIDS and that just kind of expanded. And, you know, I, 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 the other thing I was doing was I was leading yoga teacher training programs, uh, 200 hour trainings. And a lot of my students from outside, you know, like I was teaching in hospitals and community centers, most of them didn't feel comfortable coming to a, a teacher training. So uh, accessible yoga really started with that idea of trying to make yoga teacher training accessible. That was the original 
thought I had was that mm -hmm. I wanted those students to become teachers themselves, actually. Well, yeah, because I mean, as I refer to, you know, I often call yoga teacher training, life training, because it's, exactly. it, it's, it's, I don't know, it's I, before you get a driver's license, I feel like you should have to do a teacher training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you should, you should have to work six months of retail. So you know how to deal with people. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. You know no, what I, mean? <laughs> I, I feel that way too. Like to me, teacher training was the best thing that ever happened to me. And like, I love leading them so much. And I was kind of, I was always sad that you know, people wouldn't see themselves in the role of teachers. So they wouldn't go through that amazing experience of teacher training as just like, you know, it's such a great learning experience. Right. So, so I started an accessible yoga training in, um, I don't know what that was, 2007, I think, um, that was really designed to make yoga teacher training accessible to people with disabilities. That's how that started actually with that name. Um, so and then, then from, and then from there, did well, it just it kind of take a, yeah. A, so then I, I actually moved out of San Francisco about six years ago and I was, I live in um, Santa Barbara, California. And I just, I don't know, I've, I left my yoga family up there and I, I, I wanted to create community again. And so I had this idea of creating a conference. And so I started the accessible yoga conference, um, in 2000. Well, that would took me a while. That was probably 2015. Um, and that conference really shifted everything and, and accessible yoga really started growing from there. And we, you know, we formed a formal nonprofit and, you know, we offer conferences now like twice a year. And, um, and then I also do accessible yoga training, which is like a, it's a 30 hour program to help yoga teachers learn how to make their teaching more accessible, more equitable. And so that they know how to include all any body in their class, basically. Um, what was the goal and vision of the conference when you first started it? Like, where did, where did that stem from? Um, well, it, st it started cause I was feeling lonely. I, I honestly, I just was like, <laughs> I, I just was, I felt like the, the commercial yoga world wasn't for me, you know, like I didn't fit in and, mm -hmm. and I really, I wanted to create community and I had this, um, I mean, it's kind of a funny story, honestly, but I, I was, I moved down here and I only knew one teacher. Her name is Sherry Clampett and she's amazing. And she was teaching yoga for cancer at the hospital here. And I, but I found myself jealous of her. And I had this thought one day, I was like, you know, being jealous of someone who's doing something you admire, that's pretty strange, right? Like I, yeah. I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to turn it around, you know, into something positive, take that kind of angry or not, I don't know about angry, but like the energy of that jealousy and um, the envy, I guess is the word I was thinking of. Sure. And make it positive. And so I thought, I want to do something that would support her and, and other people who I admire. Because I feel like there's so many teachers out there who are really working in this field of accessibility and equity in yoga. People that are, you know, bringing yoga to communities that people who don't feel comfortable in a yoga studio, basically. And I didn't feel like there was any, anyone supporting us. So I thought, oh, I had this vision of like, supporting my friend Sherry Clampett and having her on a stage that literally came to me as like a vision. Mm -hmm. And then, um, that's why I thought, Oh, it's like a conference and we could just have her up on stage. So I did. So we had a conference and she was on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I love the honesty in that. I mean, the transparency is pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> I really, really, really was jealous of this girl. So I did yeah. this thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I mean, cause to me, yo my yoga practice is like dealing with my ego and my mind, like trying to think, wait, 
why am I so jealous? Like, what is that? You know, it's like, For you know sure. what I mean? It's something weird about it when it's someone you really admire, like in a good way. Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad thing that came out of it. <laughs> no, it's a good thing. But I, sure. I realized I had to work with myself a little to get over it. You know, like it's just a constant struggle. I find, you know, as a teacher is like, to me, like I said, that my practice is about like, you know, finding something, finding some peace in my life. And I know that my ego, I'm working against my ego all the time, um, you know, wanting more and wanting things for me. So the mind is a tricky thing. Exactly. So when you start, when, when you started to break off into the accessible yoga thing and you started to create the program, I mean, there was, how did it go as far as like research wise or when you were developing it, what, I guess, what systems did you put into place to start to, were you looking at different body types? Were you looking at different, um, disabilities or I guess like the whole programming of it, what's, what started to give it its roots? Well, my teaching, I mean, my training is through integral yoga, which is a pretty, it's a classical Hatha lineage and it's pretty gentle. It had been used in some kind of in medical areas and I, and I'm trained as a yoga therapist and I, and I used to train yoga therapists, but I, I kind of was moving away from that. And I was more interested in the more of the, um, I guess you'd say like the cultural aspects of disability and the ideas of like what keeps people from engaging in things, you know, is it, um, different learning techniques? Like people have learning styles mm-hmm. or is it physical access to a building or is it financial access? Like I was really interested in that because of mm-hmm. my background as a, AIDS activists, I realized that, you know, people with disabilities are such an oppressed group. I mean, it's, it's actually quite intriguing to me because it's actually the largest uh, minority group in the world. I mean, there's, they're estimated about a billion people with disabilities around the world. And yet it's not a very vocal group. Like you don't hear about people with disabilities, like marching or, you know what I mean? Doing like disability pride, although they have that now actually. Um, so I just found it really intriguing. And I, I, I did some study around that, around disability um, culture and disability awareness and disability rights. And I just think it's, it's such an interesting thing, especially in light of yoga practice, which is mostly physical these days. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there's such a um, challenge for people with, and I, when I say disabilities, I mean very broadly, you could even include older people or people with larger bodies. There's just, it's such a, um, there's such a limitation in the way that yoga is taught for so many people who just don't feel like they can enter that space or that the practice isn't for them because their body is not like thin and flexible and strong. Right. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more. I think that there's this depiction and this painting of what yoga is supposed to look like. And it's like, that's the smallest, I feel like it's that's not even part of the battle of what it's supposed to look like. It's more of, you know, a feeling and the intention behind it. That's really where the transformation begins, but you know, we're human. And so we can't help, but be human and tap into the ego sometimes. And Mm. not to mention there's social media and everything else that puts pressure on like what things are supposed to be versus us tapping into ourselves. Exactly. So to me, I, I was just always interested in that dynamic that yoga is actually being presented in a way that's not really, I don't know if it's not authentic or yeah, it's not complete, I guess you'd say. And I, mm-hmm. and I think, I guess, so my, my passion has just been trying to share like this, 
bigger idea? Because I guess I would say to me, accessible yoga is really not about so much the practice itself. It's not so much saying like, oh, you can adapt poses for different bodies, which is which is what I do a lot. I mean, that's mostly what people are interested in. But really, I'm I'm more interested in the idea of like what you just said, that yoga is something else, that it's a universal, they're universal teachings. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, and we, we glorify the asana part, but that's just a small part of yoga. <laughs> right. It's a small part of it. And the body, I mean, that's what I love about yoga. I mean, I love that the body engages, I mean, that yoga engages the body, that there's this physical um, practice that we can, that, that's very like accessible in one way, because it's something that is pretty easy for most people to do. Oh, I can move my body, you know, compared to like, if you just go and sit in meditation with no preparation, it's really, really hard, you know? So there's a certain aspect to asana that makes it accessible, but there's a lot, like you said, like social media and the way it's taught where it's portrayed in a way that's not accessible, where it's seen as this like extreme sport almost. Mm. So when people take, I guess, you know, going back to the training part of it, what, what can people expect out of this training? How long does it last? What are, what are the things that you talk about and cover? Well, so the, the training's evolved a lot over the years. And, and the last couple of years, I shifted it to be a, a shorter program. It's 30 hours. And it's, I basically like compressed everything that I've learned all these years into this kind of a weekend program. And it's, it's really about um, skill building. I, I find that um, a lot of teachers, you know, especially newer teachers, just don't have the experience to integrate people of different abilities into a class. So I, I think the challenge I see most teachers having is that they they want to be inclusive and they want to be accessible, but they don't know how. And and mm. most trainings, most 200 hour trainings that people take don't tell people how, right? Like you learn a set sequence and, oh, it should look like this, right? So I actually, check, I kind of go back to the basics and I, and I look at, you know, let's approach asana in a different way. And, and it's not just asana, but we spend most of the time on that. And to bring in the ideas of um, creativity is really important to me. The idea that, um, you know, there's a, there's traditions that we need to respect, but I think what's more important than tradition is inclusion and equity. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we find ways to teach that are actually creating that, that feeling that yoga represents of, equality and brings out the universal teachings rather than excludes people. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, there's, I, I, I struggle with this all the time. There's so much that needs to get covered in a 200 hour teacher training. Yeah. And it's like, how do you, what, what time, what time do you, you don't even have enough time to cover the things that you're supposed to cover. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's like, it's like drinking out of a fire hose. <laughs> I know. I know. And that, that used to be my like full-time job. I'd leave 200 hour trainings for like, I mean, I probably led like 30, 200 hour trainings and I love it. I love doing it, but yeah, there's never enough time. So I just, what to me, this, my accessible yoga training is basically like what I think you should take away or what things they don't tell you in the 200 hour <laughs> are really helpful. Yeah. Um, for example, like going back to the idea is like of addressing different people in the same class. Um, I really spend a lot of time looking at skills to teach different levels in the same room Mm. because I feel like there are specific teaching skills that really help with that in terms of the, the Mm -hmm. way that you phrase teachings and the way you, the way you, um, present the languaging actually. Mm -hmm. So for example, I can give an example. Like I, 
find most teachers do this. They, most teachers will say, okay, if you're practicing like this, you know, you can practice like this and they give the instruction or you can do right. this variation and they give the instruction. And to me, that's actually right. separating the group, right? You're like, have one group doing one thing and another group doing another thing. And I say, you can approach a little different and think about um, what's common, what's the similarity and all those variations that you're teaching of that pose. Mm-hmm. And then really focus on that and say, okay, if you're practicing, like, for example, I teach a lot of classes where I have people sitting in chairs and on the mat at the same time. Mm-hmm. So integrating people who use chairs in a regular mat class. So I'd say something like set them up separately. So set them up in the chair, set them up in the, say, standing or lying down. The, think of the foundation of the pose first. And then whatever essential like movement that's happening, see if you can find language that addresses both levels, like both the chair and mat practice or the two different variations of the mat practice and try to bring that together. So it's like bringing this feeling of, oh, we're practicing as a group, you know, that versus separating them. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a tough skill. That's a really tough skill. Like it's definitely something that you don't learn overnight and also definitely something that you don't cover in a 200 hour teacher training whatsoever. I know, but I've seen some amazing, like more experienced teachers doing it so beautifully. So I, I'm still working on myself, but uh, it's a it's a great challenge. I can have I have this like fantasy of yoga classes where you know people of all abilities are practicing together. So you know that's that's what I'm working towards. Um, yeah. How did the book stem from all of this? What made you want to write it and put it together? Um, the book is you know, another way of teaching. I love to write Mm -hmm. and it felt like, um, a way of reaching an audience of people who don't come to yoga classes. You know I mean? Like I, I'm actually, the book for me is designed for people who, um, are afraid to do yoga. So for me, it's like a a way in for people that don't think yoga is for them. So it's, it's really for students. Most of my work has been with teachers. So it's kind of, it was kind of fun for me to go back to like the basics and think about what someone would want to learn or need to know who wanted to start doing yoga at home um, and maybe get up the courage to then go to a class, you know, have them get a little entry, a little, uh, a little gateway in. Yeah. And, and I, and also share my story a little bit and some of the, you know, some of the work that accessible yoga has been doing as an organization and, but mostly it's asana, mostly it's asana and basically how to create a practice, um, how to, practice at home, you know, like what, what are props for and even creating, you know, using things you have at home as props. I'm talking about that a bit, how you can practice yoga in a chair or in bed. Like I'm really interested in those practices. And and mostly I find that, um, you know, so many of my students who have physical challenges or disabilities or chronic illness benefit greatly from the practice. And actually over the years, I've seen that they were almost more committed than students who don't have disabilities. I thought that was kind mm-hmm. of interesting because yoga is so powerful. And I think when we're pushed, when we're challenged in our lives, it, it really offers like some relief and, and some, you know, access to a deeper part of ourselves that it's just, it's so, it's so incredible. And so I love I think a lot of us. 
a lot, a lot of us take it for granted too. We don't realize what we don't have until we don't have it. And so yeah. some of us that take, you know, even walking, you know, for granted, you know, it's just, it's hard to conceptualize what it would be like without it. Cause you haven't gone through it, you know? So I know, but again, you know, the other, the other thing is, I mean, I, I mentioned that I was an AIDS activist, but the, to me, the gift of that time, you know, like in the, it was like the late eighties and the early nineties was just being around so much illness and death. Like I, I was like in my twenties and I didn't expect, you know, I it was like last thing on my mind. Like I, I, you know, like I was ready to go out and party. I like, you know, I came out when I was 17 and I was just like, that's what I was ready for. And that's not what was there. It was just like a whole right. different world than I expected. And it really, it gave me like a, a quick lesson in like mortality and <laughs> reality. Um, you know, cause even if we are, if we, if our body is functioning pretty well and we're able to walk and do all the things we want now, it's eventually going to go away. So really, I mean, to me, yoga is about preparing for death. And I think we lose sight of that a lot. You know, we get caught up in our daily lives and forget about this. Really the, the depth of spirituality is that it's just like facing mortality and that we all have limited time. And also, you know, it's the, it's, it's the story too, that we tell ourselves in the mind yoga also is, is one that helps us prepare that to make sure that we are ready for, you know, what, what the next thing is, whatever the next part of the path is. Yeah. Because in a way that, like we talked about working with the ego before, I mean, that, that's what I mean by preparing for death is that, you know, are you at peace with yourself? Like, are you, are you stuck in an idea of, I need this, or I need to get that. Like I need to achieve something. And, and you know what I mean? Like, is that where you're at? Or you're able to like appreciate what you have and be present. Like those are things it's, it's an, they're like spiritual concepts, but really they do prepare us for, for leaving the body. I mean, that, that it really is um, a gift. And, and it's true that we're lucky to have, I mean, we're lucky to have bodies and we should make the most of this time. And yoga to me is like incredible gift from the ages, you know, like how to, how to work with our body and with our mind, um, rather than have to figure it out ourselves. We get all these, like these, this ancient knowledge, um, that we mm. can experience and practice ourselves and we can share with others, you know, such a scary concept for most people to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm scaring people away. <laughs> but it's true, you know. I think I think most most people most people don't want to hear it or think about it like that. But it's such a it's a reality, you know. Yeah, and actually, um, I find it's funny if you ask people. I find about half of people do think about death a lot, and half people don't. And mm. I think um, I know it sounds really scary, but it actually can give us so much. Like it really is so fulfilling to, to find that kind of, yeah, to be at peace with death because it can it liberate makes, us from so what? many things that we think are, it can liberate us from so many things that we think are important, but are really not. Exactly. And also I feel like there's this underlying like fear of death. I mean, I, I struggle with it all the time. That's like, it kind of is like this anxiety behind so many other worries I have is like this mm. impending fear or like, you know what I'm saying? That's just hanging around. And so I think facing it or thinking about it or addressing it in your practice can be really healthy. Also, I think that there's a way that just translate culturally, because I think especially in, you know, in the U S we, we really, 
push away illness and death and aging um, as something bad. And really, it's something that we should be embracing more. I, f- I feel like, you know, like, if you look at the way that most so many older people are isolated and not connected to society and the same with people with disabilities often are isolated. I think that um, has to do with the kind of the way that we perceive um, disability, illness and aging as something negative rather than just accept it for what it is, you know, without judgment. And I, I would go back to teaching for a minute and just say that maybe the other main lesson that I try and give my um, students or I, I ask of other yoga teachers is to really stop judging people um, based on their physical ability. I, I feel like there's kind of this, I don't know, judging that happens when someone comes into your class. And and I think, you know, it's it's just human nature that we think healthy is good or something. But really, to me, healthy is something else. Healthy is like being at peace and being content. Um, do you know what I mean though? If that makes sense. 100%. It's a, I mean, again, it goes back to like what I was saying earlier, we're, we're almost conditioned into thinking that it has to look, you know, the surface is such a small, small, small part of it. It's the very, very, it's just the top of the iceberg. There's so much more depth in it, what, to what happens below and what, what's actually going on on the inside. Right. And I've, I've been lucky to have a lot of students who've taught me, you know, they've shown me that through illness, through disability, and even in death, that they are like so amazing. Like they have so much wisdom and, and peace. And I don't, I'm not saying I, (laughs) in fact, you know, I, I'm really struggling with aging. Like I, I just, uh, I just turned 52 and (laughs) welcome to being a gay man. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. It's so hard. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I just, my body just doesn't do what it used to do, you know, and yeah. (laughs) Same. (laughs) And I don't look like I used to. On today's episode, Jim Jim and Anna and I just talk about how aging sucks. (laughs) Oh my God. But you're young, right? I I mean, I'm pretty young, but um, yeah, 52, like, okay, I'll tell you something I never told anyone. I I was, I looked in the mirror once, it was like maybe a year ago, and I had like, I thought I had some, some, some like swelling in my face, like maybe it was my tooth. Mm. And I called the dentist and I made an appointment and (laughs) I realized like the next day that it's just like my face. (laughs) That's just the way my face had like dropped. It felt like it happened overnight and I just hadn't noticed it before. Well, it wasn't any swelling. Call it a good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. It is hard. And especially as a gay man, I feel... (laughs) a lot of pressure but um, yeah yeah the struggle, the struggle is real there for sure <laughs> yeah and you know I, I mean gay culture is so superficial i mean it's really it's just yeah it's hard to avoid but yeah well, Junon, I appreciate all the work that you're doing and I appreciate that you're offering more trainings and, and just giving people a new lens to see yoga with and also opening doors for people to let them know that yoga is accessible and ready for everybody. And, you know, I think the more practitioners that we have out there, um, the better the world will be. So I appreciate all the work that you're doing and all the gifts that you're sharing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for um, giving me this opportunity. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great to be here. Until the next Yogi Misfit sessions, this is Danny and Jeevanan saying peace out. <laughs>